have been and have experienced a relationship blessing. Raise your hand if you've experienced what it means to be in a blessed relationship. How about by a show of hands, how many have experienced a not-so-blessed relationship? I'm not, I'm not just talking matrimonial. It could be a relationship with a co-worker where it's just like this. Your button heads, it seems like. Maybe you're going tomorrow to work with that person, okay? Well, there's truly ways to live a blessed life when it comes to relationships. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. In fact, um, you must, some, some of you, especially if you're single, you may have seen people and, and, and marriages here in our church or outside of this church and said, man, they have such a blessed relationship. I guess God just intended that for them, but not for me. That's what we can think sometimes. We can think that God has only picked out certain people to have a blessed relationship, and that's not the case. How, how many know it takes work to have a real good relationship? Amen. You, you didn't get to 40 years of marriage without working on it. You didn't get to 30 years of marriage without working at it. You didn't get to one year of marriage without working at it. It takes work. And again, I'm not just talking to you about marriage. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. How many have heard the term, well, Pastor Rick, I'm just looking for my soulmate. <laughs> When I meet my soulmate, then I'll be totally happy and life will be complete and I can live so happy for the rest of my life. Have you ever heard that? You know, I'm looking for my soulmate. Well, I hate to disappoint you, but the Bible doesn't mention a thing about a soulmate. Okay? That word is not ever found. But it, what it does say is when a man finds a good wife, a good woman, he finds a, a good thing, right? He does say that. When a woman finds a good man, she finds a good thing. Amen. So what is it that you need to be looking for? Is that good woman, that good man, and that man that comes to church, that lives like a, like a believer, that is not going to live like the devil and hell. You know what I'm talking about, single people? Amen. Amen. They got real quiet there. Because like, you're not going to find them in the club. I just want to throw that out there. That was for free. You're not going to find them at the club. You're going to find them at the church club right here in church, whether it's this church or another church. That's where you're going to find the best relationship in your life. I promise you. I guarantee you that. Amen? Amen. So that was for free. How many have seen recently relationships that are toxic? Yes. We don't have any here, but how many know of toxic relationships? I think we've all seen some like that. Maybe they get together at your home every Christmas or Thanksgiving, possibly. But we've seen relationships that you know are toxic. They're not good for each other. And when you see them, you're going, oh my goodness, what's next? What's next? It's a train wreck that's about to happen. And that's not God's plan for anybody. It's not God's plan for your marriage. It's not God's plan for your relationship at work or with your siblings or with anybody. God never intended for that to happen. In fact, when in the very beginning in the garden, when he created Adam, God always said, and it was good. When he created Eve, not only did God say it was good, man said, at last, rib from my rib. You know, she came from him. He thought it was good. Relationships are supposed to be good. They're not supposed to be toxic. Today, if you came here with your spouse and there was a little bickering going back and forth, Cut it out. Cut it out. God never designed for your relationship to work like that. We need to work at it. It takes work. 
Amen? It takes work. Now, again, we've seen all these scenarios of a blessed relationship to a toxic relationship. We know that one is good and one isn't. How do we get to have the blessed relationship? Well, it takes, it takes work, but I want to tell you one thing. Good relationships are not by accident. You know, Anna and I do not have a perfect relationship. But we do work at it. We do spend time alone together to work at it. And when we are alone together, we really connect on that spiritual level. We can work on our relationship. Oftentimes, there's, there's times where she gets home tired. I get home tired. You know, we, we, we say things because we're grumpy. We've all been there. But that doesn't mean we don't care for each other or we don't love each other. It just means, hey, I just... You know, I'm a little grouchy from work today. I, I got to work on that before I talk to you. But I may, you know, I, I may say some things that come out the wrong way, and I have to go back and say, "Honey, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm really sorry for the way that tone was presented." I know I'm not the only one. Don't look at me like Pastor Rick. You're really like that. Yeah, Pastor Rick can be like that sometimes. But we have to work on our relationships. Let me tell you this: real change comes with intent, with purpose. If you, don't, if you don't ever intend to change your relationship, it will never change. It will remain the same. What you face today will continue. You will continue to face it 10 years from now. Here's a question for you before we go into our, our sermon text. Why are there conflicts in relationships? Why do you think there's conflicts? Is it because one's a Republican and one's a Democrat? No. Is it because, because one, one's white and one's black? No. It's none of that. We make it like that. Us people, we make it like that. But let's turn to Proverbs chapter 15 and just stand with me for the brief reading of this word and, and then I'll have you sit down. If you'll stand with me, um, Proverbs 15 and verse 18, it's on your outline and it says the following. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Ooh, let me repeat that again. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. I pray right now that your word, which declares truth to live by, truth every day for our relationships, not only at home, but outside of the home. I pray, Lord, for your anointing, that we would hear your word, that we would comprehend it, and that we would be doers of your word. And I pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Let me, let me uh, ask you right now. How many of you have ever been in a quarrel with another person? Raise your hand. Okay. And for the rest of you that did not raise your hand, we will have an altar call right here. Because you just lied. All of you have quarreled with somebody at one time or another. Every single one of you. And while that's not God's plan, do you understand how easy it is to quarrel with someone? Do you understand how easy it is to quarrel with your spouse? They say something you don't it, that rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it was the tone. Maybe it was just a lack of sympathy. And it rubs you the wrong way. And, and you can respond in that moment. You can respond with and fire right back at them. But just like the scripture says, a hot-tempered person loves the stir it up, stir up conflict, stirring it up. And right now, as I said that, you're probably thinking of somebody. Maybe that's you. Hopefully not. 
But maybe that's, so, that's somebody who likes to stir up conflict. And everywhere they go, they seem to just stir it up and stir it up. God's word is telling us, but the one who is patient, the one who is patient calms the quarrel, calms it down. I remember, and this wasn't even part of my thought going into this, years ago when I was, I was out with a bunch of people and uh, we were up to no good and this one gentleman, we'll call him Frank, and he was out of control. He was drunk and he wanted to beat somebody up. And I stepped in and before I ever knew Christ, I was with this person and I jumped in and I calmed him down. I don't know how. I had the words to calm him down. And somebody came later and said, you know what? That was awesome. You should be a counselor or something. And I, I was in, in an altered state myself, but I calmed him down because I was patient with him. And how many have ever been there where you calm somebody down? And uh, again, there's blessing in that when you can calm somebody down. Uh, I'm thankful that I saw a glimpse of my future there and, and God had a plan for my life. But uh, again, one of the other things I've seen recently, and maybe some of you saw this, on social media, Disneyland, there was this fight going on. Did you see that fight? It was in Toontown, I think it's still called Toontown. There was a fight, it was a family that was there together. They were there together. And all of a sudden, they broke out. One person started arguing with another person, and before you, these are women, and before you know it, they're pulling hair and dragging each other around, and somebody's recording this on their iPhone and posted it on social media. So because of that, I refuse to put my family in danger. We will not be going to Disneyland anymore because it's too dangerous. The happiest place on earth has now become a dangerous place. Can you believe that? I'm just kidding. But that's a true story. It's a true story. It did happen. I saw that. I couldn't believe it. In Disneyland, of all places, there's, this, uh, there's conflict. And it just it, it boggles the mind how you can... Get in there. First of all, you have to pay 130 bucks just to get in per person. And you go in with a family to the happiest place on earth, and you're fighting? Physically fighting? Oh, my goodness. It just boggles the mind how you can get to that point. But it's easy to get there. That's my point. It's easy to get there. Conflict is constant all around us. Conflict is all around us. Proverbs 21 and verse 9 says this, It's better to live on a corner of, a, of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And the men said, oh, See, they're smart men. They didn't say nothing. Some of the men here were thinking amen, but did you know that some of you men, the truth is, you cause that for your wife. You're the cause of pain for her sometimes. So, men, I congratulate you for the wisdom you just showed right there in being quiet. Amen. That's a, that's a smart man. Proverbs 17 and verse 14 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. It's like making a break in the dam. Kind of like what happened up in Oroville. How many remember what happened up in Oroville? It threatened that whole community and miles outside of that community. That broken dam a, a couple of years ago. So it says this, so starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Drop the matter. But it's so hard to drop the matter. 
Pastor Rick, you don't know what he said. You don't know how she came at me. You don't know what they did. How could I drop the matter? The word of God is telling you, drop the matter. Drop it. One of the questions I ask myself when it comes to certain things like this, at the end of the day, six months from now, a year from now, is it going to make a difference? Is it going to make a difference if you go and say what you're going to say or do what you're about to do? Is it going to make a difference in a positive way? And if it isn't, drop the matter. Amen. Drop it. Now, I'm not talking about protecting yourself. I'm not talking about standing up for someone. You need to do what you need to do is right. Amen? But I'm talking about just acting out of spite, acting to get back at someone, acting in retribution. So what I want to talk to you for the next few moments specifically is what causes conflict in relationships? What causes conflict? Look at your neighbor and tell them, what causes conflict? Well, let me tell you. On your outline, the first one, and I want to talk to you real quickly about, is poor communication skills. You know, in real estate, they have one term. It's called location, location, location. You'll hear every single real estate agent tell you that. Why is that? Because it's all about location, the value of your home, how it's going to be valued in the future. It's all about location, location, location. Marriage relationships, personal relationships, it's all about one thing. What is that? Communication, communication, communication. How many times have you gotten in a bad argument because of your lack of communication skills or because you didn't communicate the proper thought, and someone misinterpreted that and took it the wrong way. That's happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you. We communicate not only with our words, but with our look. Men, women, those that are married, be careful the look that you give to your spouse. Be careful of that look. That look speaks a million words. It could, if looks could kill sometimes, and every man said amen. No, just kidding. Because <laughs> all of our wives know that look. Uh, and all of us uh, men have that look. And our wives like, that's enough, honey. Right? We, we know we have that look. that look. Looks can kill. Those are part of your communication skills. The best communication skill you will ever develop is what? To be a good listener. Everybody wants to have a good listener. Everybody wants to be heard and listened to. When, when my wife comes home and she has something important to tell me, I need to give her her undivided attention. If I'm halfway listening to the game or watching some program on Netflix that I'm addicted to, and I'm, and I'm not giving her my full attention, you're not going to think I'm listening to her. I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. There's a big difference. We have to learn to listen. Have you ever been in a conversation and someone tells you, I love having conversations with you. And, and you know why that is? Because you just listened. They did all the talking, but you just listened to them. Um, people may come up and tell you that. We have to learn to develop our listening skills. Kind of like my friend at Costco a few weeks ago. He needs to learn to listen a little bit better, if you remember what I spoke about that one day. Undivided attention is what you need to give those around you, whether it's your manager, whether it's the co-worker, whether it's your spouse. Colossians 4 and verse 6 says the following, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. Wow. Easier said than done, isn't it? How many want to be a person like that with your conversation just full of grace, seasoned with salt, seasoned with maturity, with, with factual knowledge, so that you can answer anybody that, that asks you anything? I want to be that person, and I should be. I'm your pastor. But I want to be that person even more and more so as I, as I get older. Amen? Psalms 141 and verse 3 says the following. Set a guard over your mouth, over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do you hear that? you catch that? Your mouth has a door. It has a door. Unfortunately, some of us have ripped that door off. Some of us can rip that door off where there's no more door. It's just, it just constant outflow, constant outflow. And the Lord is saying, guard your mouth. Guard it. Keep watch over the door of my lips, Lord. So communication is extremely important. Amen? How many would agree with that? Communication. Number two, unexpected differences. So what I mean by that, how many remember when you first, let's use married couples, when you first got married and you thought you knew your man, you thought you knew your woman, and all of a sudden, three months later, six months later, or maybe it was that first week, you realized something new completely about that person you didn't know. I'll use the example that Anna has shared with the women's group and at various other times. I didn't know that when I got married to Anna, that she was not insurable on my auto policy. <laughs> she had, like, I don't know what it was, some crazy number of points, 12 points or 10, I, I don't know what it was. This was back in 1994. I tried to put her in my policy, and they said, ah, we're sorry, Mr. Mendez, we cannot insure your wife, Anna. Well, why not? Well, she has too many points. And I had to have a conversation with Anna, and it's like, I didn't know that about you. How come we? So she had to begin to tell me all these stories that she was ashamed to tell me of things that she had done or not paid, and, and she's never had a problem since then, except for two red light tickets, but that's another story. <laughs> but see, that was new for me. I, I discovered that. I thought I knew her, and uh, maybe for you, you discovered something with your spouse. Maybe you discovered something about your your coworker, you thought you had this tight relationship with your coworker, somebody you go to school with, and all of a sudden you discovered that person's a backstabbing person. I, I didn't realize that about them. I thought we were like this. Sometimes we have these unexpected differences that come up. Now, differences can be good. We're all different here, every one of us. That's what I love about our church. We're so different, every one of us. We're multicultural. I get to see a slice of heaven every Sunday. And, and that's the way God made us and designed us. Amen? Amen? Now, we shouldn't be shocked when we see these differences. We're different. Yeah. We're different. No matter the difference with God, anything, everybody say everything, everything, everything can be fixed with God. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 reminds us of this. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. God alone can, can break those barriers down, and, and not only that, but destroy that barrier, and the dividing wall of hostility between your, your spouse, between a relationship and your family, between a coworker, whatever it may be. He can do that. When you leave it up to your own devices, you and another person, 
you will butt heads. There will be there will be a day of reckoning. Amen. There will be a day of reckoning. I don't want that for you. What I want is for you and God to work it out. Amen. 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 Let's continue here. Point number three in relationship blessings on what causes major conflicts. So the first one was poor communication skills. Second is unexpected differences. And the third one is unmet needs. Sometimes in a relationship, we can go around expecting or take, uh, taking uh, for granted our spouse. And when they don't do something, we can get very disappointed because we took them for granted. And all of a sudden, that's an unmet, unmet need now in my life. And I can get bitter because, well, they said they were going to take me out this Friday. They didn't take me out. They forgot all about it. And they didn't take me out. Now I'm going to be hurt. And they said they were going to take me out and they were going to buy me a present. And they didn't even do that. Now I'm going to be hurt. I'm not even going to talk to them. In fact, I'm going to tell them he can sleep on the, on the couch. And you know how it could just go from one thing to this huge thing. And the man, or whatever the case may be, they may not even know about it. It may have just gone completely over their head. And for all you know, uh, you're, you're, you're blowing this whole thing up, and this person doesn't even realize what it was all about. I, I see a lot of arguments develop because of that, because of unmet needs. Somebody taking somebody for granted, thinking they were going to do this, they didn't do it, and they thought, well, they should have known better. They should have taken care of me, and they didn't. Communication, again, we have to communicate with each other what we expect. Uh, I have conversations with Anna all the time about uh, different things. I try to tell her whether it's my schedule or uh, things that I want to do here in the church or with our family so that nothing comes as a surprise to her so that she knows in advance. Uh, I like to plan things out like that. Uh, and then also I like to do spur-of-the-moment things. Okay, because I know that's how she lives. She lives lives on spur of the moment. That's that's her world. If she can take a trip tomorrow to Hawaii, she'd do it in a heartbeat. You know, I have to like plan a little bit more on that, right? Put my pennies together, but she would just do it in a heartbeat. Um, but we have to do those types of things in a marriage relationship. We need to be totally transparent with each other, constantly, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Let me tell you something. Men and women, uh, young people, single people, your spouse, your friend is not a mind reader. They're not a mind reader. Especially for us men, we can be very dense. We, we can project something and you may think we understand it and it went right over our heads. We're very dense sometimes. You have to explain things to us. You have to take us from point A to point B in a very logical way. For us men to truly understand that. How many men know what I'm talking about? And, and, and we can't expect to know what you want. We don't work that way. None of us work that way. Unless you have ESPN or ESP. And, and you may have a gift of knowing what to do. You may have a gift of, of God speaking to you. But that other person may not. Amen? Amen. So again, make sure that you communicate with that person about unmet needs. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says the following. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, 
But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I don't know about you, but I want to be a tree of life. I want to live by the waters of God that, that's watering my the fertile soil all around me. And I want to have the, the tree of life constantly giving. Amen? Amen? And then our fourth point, selfishness. Ooh, this is a big one right here. Selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. Selfishness. I've said this before, but what is one of the very first words we learn as little children? Mine. You all said it. Mine. Why is that? It comes naturally to us, doesn't it? Nobody has to teach us. That's mine. Martin, that's mine. Don't touch. Mine. And, and we can get that way even as adults in a relationship. That's mine. Don't go there. That's mine. And we have to be very careful of that. That's a, you know, that's one of the deadly sins, selfishness. You know, selfish attitudes. We don't want to have that. That's the total opposite of God's nature. But unfortunately, our carnal nature is selfish in nature. We can, we can conquer selfishness by saying this one thing. I need to have it my way. We can conquer it by, by getting rid of that. How many have said, I need to have it my way? I need to have it like Burger King. Have it your way, you know? And selfishness is really that, is having it your way all the time. That's what selfishness is. I'm not talking about having it your way now and then allowing your spouse to have it her way next time. You know, we do that when we go to the movies. My wife and I, it's like, I'll pick a movie, and I can't wait for Top Gun 2 next year, but I'll pick a movie, and then she'll pick a movie the following time. Um, I'll pick a restaurant if we go out to dinner, and then she'll pick one out next time. Where do you want to go hang out with them? Well, let's go try this Chinese food. Let's go try this restaurant. And we'll do that. Because it's not about Pastor Rick. And it's not about Pastor Anna always wanting and wanting. We work it out that way. It's the same way in your relationships. you got to give and you got to take. It's, it's back and forth. Amen? Yes. Selfishness. This is one of the core issues in relationships is selfishness. Philippians 2 and verse 4 says this. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Wow. That's powerful. It's not about what can, what can life do for me today? What can I do for my wife today? What can I do for my kids today? Some of you are great examples of that. Again, I want to give a shout out to my, the, the men that barbecued on Friday and the turnout. We had, we had 17 men there. And Gregory and Alex put this barbecue together and my hands up. Give them another hand again right now. They did an amazing job. If you ever want someone to barbecue for you, invite these men to your house. And uh, they will do a great job. But they did an amazing job. And you know what it was about? It was about serving. They have servants' hearts. Both of them do. And they give. And they're givers. And that's a gift that you have. Continue to use that. And God will use you greatly in his kingdom. Amen? Amen? So help us, Lord, to not be so selfish. And then the fifth and final one is pride. Say pride with me. Pride. Pride. It's when we can't admit that we're wrong. Ever have that? Pride? Sure you have. All of us have had that at one time or another. Oh, well, my team's better than your team. The Niners are terrible. The Raiders are much better. The Raiders haven't been in the playoffs. Neither have the 49ers. But, you know, there's things that we say that are all revolving around pride. And it's when we can't admit. And when you can admit, if your spouse, if you have a spouse that knows that you can admit to them when you're wrong, you have a great person 
as a spouse. When you have a manager at work or a co-worker that can admit when they're wrong and tell you, that's a great relationship you have there with them. When you can admit to someone, hey, I was wrong, uh, I need you to forgive me, um, you know, forgive me for that, I'm sorry. When you can do that, you are walking in righteousness. You are walking in, in righteous relationship blessings, amen? Yeah. Pride is something you usually don't even know you have. Did you know that? Prideful people, sometimes they don't even know they're prideful. We were at a seminar yesterday, Anna and I, a leadership seminar in Santa Rosa, and we had a conversation during our lunchtime. They provided lunch for us. And uh, during that time, there was some people from the church and another gentleman just, just dripping pride. <laughs> One of the first things, you know, we basically came to the table, sat down, and knew some of the people. One of the first things he said at that table was, um, hey, hey, anybody want to hear my joke? Want to hear my joke? He said that like three times. And he was an older gentleman, much older than me, but it reminded me of a little nine-year-old boy, nine, ten-year-old kid going, hey, you want to hear my joke? You want to hear my joke? And it's like, I'm looking at him like, are you serious? And he had this, just this pride dripping about him. And he went on to talk about some more stuff. And pride stinks. You know that? Yeah. <coughs> Have you ever smelled pride? It stinks. It really does. And when it comes out, it comes out loud. It comes out and, and you don't have nothing to do. You almost want to take a bath after that. It's kind of, we were there for about two minutes, three minutes after he finished his little joke, and we walked away. Both Anna and I were just looking at each other, going, shaking our head. Um, but this man was full of pride. And I can guarantee you, he probably didn't even know he's coming off like that. God forbid that you and I should be like that, coming off prideful. We shouldn't be coming off prideful to one another. Amen? A man, a man who's real proud is one who would probably say, I don't want anyone to know I have marriage problems, Pastor Rick. I'm going to come to you and you know, know that uh, I need to talk to you about my marriage because then everybody's going to know I'm having relationship issues. Well, that's pride. Pr pride gets in the way of healthy relationships. You got to move all that time, all that stuff away and cast it away and say, I got to do whatever it takes to fix this. I got to do whatever it takes to walk in righteous relationships. Amen? So I love it when you send me texts, pray for me on this. I love that. You're being transparent not only with God, but with your pastor. Some of you call me, tell, you, tell me, hey, can you pray for this situation? Pray for that situation. I love that. Keep doing that. That's why I'm here. Keep doing that. I want to pray for you, for your relationships. Let me read this scripture to you as we're getting ready to close here. Uh, James chapter 4 and verse 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Wow. Talk about opposition. If you're prideful, God says, I oppose you. I am completely against you. But yet he says, I show favor to the humble. I favor those that walk in humbleness. I think that's an easy one for me to walk in right there. I want to walk in humbleness. I do not want to walk in pride. Amen? And hopefully that's each of you. In closing, here's my last question for you. What can we do to make our relationships better? How can we go about our life doing relationships better? Let, let me ask you this first. Again, how many here have heard of this term, irreconcilable differences? You've heard of this term, I'm sure. Especially in marriages. 
especially on a document that's called a divorce document, it'll sometimes state irrevocable differences and a little check mark or an X right next to that. And here's what I want to tell you. In Christ, I don't believe that there are irrevocable differences or ir irreconcilable differences. I believe that all differences can be resolved in Christ, in Christ alone. You can resolve all irreconcilable differences. You may have a difference with a coworker tomorrow when you go to work, a difference of opinion. But I believe by prayer, I believe by humbling yourself, I believe by following these steps of communication and so forth, that you would be able to reconcile those differences. How many have seen that in your life? How many have seen that? Amen? Real change, again, comes with intent. It comes with purpose. If you look at your outline on the back side, I put some following facts that, or challenges that I would like you to promise to yourself, not to me. Just promise to yourself. I'm going to read them. I promise. Say that with me nice and loud. I promise. I promise to act. I promise to focus on the good, not the bad. I promise to talk and not walk. I promise to love and not hate. Again, real change comes with intent, with real purpose. I promise to act. Focus on the good, not the bad. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone who's always spewing negative, caustic words. Nobody wants to be in that kind of relationship. I promise to talk and not walk. Don't go to bed angry, men, women. Don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, the Bible says. Fix it. Be people of, of action. Amen? And then I promise to love and not hate. You see, love is a choice. Love is a powerful choice. It's not a feeling. Oh, I feel in love. He makes me feel so loved. She makes me feel so loved. I feel like my feet aren't touching the ground when I'm around that person. That's not love. That's just a feeling. I get sick to my stomach and I get a bad feeling. You know, that has nothing to do with that. Never mind. But you know what I mean. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Ephesians 5.2 reminds us of this and says this. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Did you catch that? There's selflessness there. He gave himself up for you and I. We need to give ourselves up for our spouse, for that person that we're having a difficulty with. We need to walk in humbleness, get rid of that pride, communicate better with that person. And then 1 Peter verse 8, I love this. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Love covers a multitude of sins. See, what it's saying is you may have had major issues with that person. You may have had difficulty with that person. But the Bible's telling you love will cover all that. Love will cover all that. God will forgive you. You can move on and love will cover all, all that. How many are grateful for God's love? Amen. So as we promise these to one another, to our spouses, uh, to our church members, to, li to life in general, I challenge you to love with intent, to love on purpose. 
Don't just go through the motions. It's tempting to say, honey, I love you. Because we can all say that. Honey, I love you. I love you. Yeah, I love you. You know, it's always nice when your honey says, I love you. And then you kind of almost expect to hear it back, right? It's kind of awkward if you don't say it back. But when you do say those things, mean it. Grab them by the hand. Grab them by the shoulder. Say, I love you too. Don't just say it. But say it with intent. With purpose behind it. I want to remind you that the Word of God reminds us that Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. Yeah. What a great example we have. Amen.